Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 30th of July, 2022 Hong Kong Stories podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. If you know anything about the people in Hong Kong, you will know that it is a place filled to the brim with talented, wonderful people. In the next few weeks, we'll hear stories from several different sides, but the focus will be on students. We've had two groups of young people step up to the mic this year. The first is secondary school students from Harrow in Hong Kong. And the second are our yearly Student Story Slam competition. Both groups came up with fantastic stories and both groups were thwarted more than once by the pandemic restrictions, postponements, moving to online learning, online performances, and just general kerfuffle that were all thrown in front of these students who all calmly stepped over each obstacle and carried on. So before we get to today's stories, a huge hug goes out to the students of Hong Kong and their teachers too. We know things have not been smooth, but I am inspired by your talent, grace, and fortitude. Hugs go out to all overseas students as well, and those Hong Kong kids who study abroad and manage to bridge the gap while barely breaking a sweat. We hear you, students. We are listening. The 2023 Student Story Slam is in the beginning stages, and if all goes well, we'll be holding it in March. Check the website hongkongstories.com for details. That's hongkongstories.com. And now on to today's stories. We have three student stories today, all from online performance in March 2022 at Harrow School in Hong Kong. The first is a story from Gabby, where she discovers something new about her dad. I always wanted to go to Holland since I was a lot younger. Found the buildings really cute and as if they were from some sort of Disneyland or something. So in April 2017, we went to Dunrel Caravan Park. Mum got an offer in some magazine, which made it cheaper. I just got back from a long bike ride around the countrysides of Holland. My legs were hurting and I was just excited to lay in my bunk bed that I shared with my sister. All of a sudden, Mum came up with a brilliant idea. The caravan was attached to a little theme park, which was included in the deal. The daredevil 11-year-old and me had already noticed the brilliant rides was flung you upside down and side to side. But one myself and my sister had both been looking at this whole time were these little boats. They were on this pond of water, which was a murky brown colour. It was the coolest ride in the entire theme park. So we get ready to go to the theme park. I put on my nicest jeans, they had a little red stripe down the side of them, and I'm ready to go. We biked to the park on the hired bikes that we had got for the day, even though it was only a two minute walk. And we went into the park. On the left, I saw the little boat ride that I spotted earlier. I planned on going this with my sister, but it turned out that she was too scared to go on the ride. So my dad stepped in. Now, my dad was obviously a bit too old to go on this kid's ride. So we asked the guy whether it'd be okay for an older guy to go on this blue plastic boat. He was obviously pretty tired and fed up with standing around at this theme park all day. So he shrugged his shoulders and without really even looking at the middle-aged man, he just said, okay. Now, this may also be my chance to tell you that although my parents were lifeguards, I didn't like water. Still can't really swim to this day. So 
I was stressing already. As the line of small children get into their different boats, I was both eager and nervous for it to be my go. It came to our turn. We get into the boat. We paddle off the little wooden deck with our pedals at our feet. And we get about halfway into this murky pond. I was just looking and admiring the theme park around me, almost forgetting my fear of water. Then all of a sudden, the boat started tilting on my dad's side. Water started flooding in. I started preparing my last words, last things I was going to say. It was like the scene from The Lion King. My dad was lifting me up, the circle of life one. I was screaming and flailing and splashing and definitely not helping my dad, who at this point was half submerged into water. Now, the guy who had told my dad earlier that the boat would have been fine finally noticed the fact that there was an 11-year-old and a grown man who was sinking on his boat ride. So he picked up a little stick as if he had dragged people out of that pond on other occasions and he held it out to us because we didn't get too far. Now, this is the moment where I realized my dad has been standing up this whole time. The water was only up to his knees. So humiliated, we climbed out of the once beautiful water which now looked like some type of hell pool, and got handed a tiny hand towel to dry off. My best jeans, they were soaked. We walked in silence back to the caravan. My mom and my sister weren't too sure whether we were going to be able to joke about this traumatic moment just yet. To this day, it's still a pretty touchy subject in my family. My dad actually found my plan to write this in my room and it brought the conversation back up again. Not only how I'm still scared of water, but also my dad is basically a hero. I'm sure you picked up from that sound that this performance was done online. And although the stories are fabulous, for the sound quality, we were at the mercy of speakers and audio equipment of each of the students. There's also no audience reaction, but the students did so well writing and editing their stories that they need to be shared. Our next story from the same performance is from Michelle about the perils of being a small girl in a busy place. Now, I'm sure most of you have memories or nightmares of getting lost. Well. Elements was an absolute disaster for me when I was eight. My mom left me in the restroom and told me if I behaved, she was going to reward me with something. My mind wandering to what my mom could have gotten me also somehow affects my legs. I found out that I had strayed from the restrooms, and with zero sense of direction, I was horribly lost. I looked around in panic, as though the spotlight was on me, and everyone was guessing my next move. I mean, I already felt pretty underdressed in that mall, my neon pink shirt and shorts. I recalled what my mom would tell me in case I got lost, which was to ask a stranger for their cell phone and dial her number. Now, I was, to put it very nicely, a shy kid, the type of kid that would not converse with other people unless absolutely necessary. I confidently walked up to a lady, and that confidence lasted for about five seconds, which, to be honest, broke a record. The lady looked at me, and I looked at her. She looked back at me, and I just looked at her. This backward-forwards eye contact was awkward, and it ended up with me calmly walking off. 
but I was not calm. I was in fact taking big, deep breaths, my eyes wide and alert. And that was when I saw her. My mother, I remembered that white shirt. I started trailing behind her, but then she turned around. And my first thought was, that does not look like my mom. I panicked. I could feel my heartbeat. I could hear it. I looked around and somehow that simple movement caused me what seemed like minutes of dizziness, even though it was in December and in a shopping mall. Sweating buckets. I did not need another person to tell me how much I was sweating because believe me, I knew. I felt like a walking waterfall. And instead of water, it was sweat. I ran past all those restaurants, all those clothing stores, even the ice rink. And I thought, wait, did my mom say something about ice before? I ran towards the ice cream stand and there she was. My actual mom, standing in all her white shirt of glory, was paying for ice cream. Some might say I found my mom due to my quick-witted thinking and calm behavior. And yes, I don't deny it. But personally, I think the honor should be placed upon the ice cream. See what I mean? The stories are pretty awesome. This is the second year I've collaborated with Harrow School, and both years the quality of stories were excellent. We have one more for you today a story about the wider world outside our homes. Get ready for a story from Prinda. It was the winter of year three when my science teacher told us that we we're going to take care of snails and all of us had to find one in a park or in a garden. Excited with anticipation, I went to the park near my house and started finding snails. It was a sunny day with a hint of chilly breeze, and I spent over one hour trying to find snails, but I couldn't find any. A friend who had already done this project told me that there are usually a lot of snails after the rain. So I checked the weather podcast and found out that tomorrow was going to rain. The next day after the rain, I went to the park again. The moist air filled with floral aroma made my mood happier. And as I carefully stepped on the wet grass and used my hands to push open the bushes, I found numerous, countless snails hiding beneath the leaves. There were garden snails, the most common land snails. I was shocked as I've actually never seen snails before, especially in such a big group. I went to more places and found even more surprises. There were hundreds of snails hiding beneath the pine tree under the leaves, another group of snails under another bush, and every other places I went, there were snails. They all looked the same, and I didn't know which one to choose until I saw Lucy. Lucy was the biggest out of all the snails I've seen, around six centimeters, which is pretty big, considering it was a garden snail. I used my two fingers to lift her up and observe her at eye level. She had a brown swirl pattern shell, and every time I gently touched the two upper tentacles, they would hide back in the shell and then slowly return back to the original position after a few seconds. I put Lucy in a clear box with leaves and water and plan to let her go back to nature after a month. I could not let Lucy out of my mind for the first few days. Every day when I got back from school, I would change her drinking water and feed her fresh new leaves. And I changed her tank and cleaned her tank myself every day. Just, just as I was staring at her mouth, chewing the little the, the leaves, devouring them piece by piece, she stopped eating them after a few days. She stopped drinking water. She stopped moving around and looked as if she's always sleeping. At first, nine-year-old me thought she just needed some rest, but it started getting strange after a few days. The first thought that came to my mind was, is Lucy dead? Is it because I didn't take good care of her? 
suddenly I felt guilty and upset all at the same time. And Emma Tremie didn't realize that Lucy still had some slight movements. I asked my friend what I should do, and she said that we should bury her together. So that's what we did. We went back to the park where we found her, dug a little hole heavy heartedly, and placed her inside the hole. Then I used my hands to gather soil and then filled up the hole. As Lucy will always hold a special place in my heart, I picked up a daisy flower and put it on top just so it looks prettier. Then, with a sign, I left with my friend. Lucy had been such an important life, important part in my life and my daily routine, and I just couldn't stop thinking about her after I left. So, 20 minutes later, I convinced my friend to go back with me just to say the very last goodbye to Lucy. Just as I saw the daisy flower, I saw a tiny tentacle poking out of the soil. My heart stopped. I was shocked. Lucy became a zombie, I thought. I was terrified, but couldn't help myself to sprint towards her body and dig her out again. My knowledgeable friend then suggested, is it possible that Lucy was just hibernating since it's winter? That's why she didn't move or eat. Now it all made sense. Lucy wasn't dead. She was hibernating. And I did and did took good care of her. I... But still, I was really scared of Lucy as she kind of came back to life. So I decided to let her go back to nature instead of keeping her for longer. Every time I go to the park again, I look under the bushes and trees to see if Lucy is still there. But she, I never saw that six centimeter swirl pattern snail again. I guess a relief for both of us. Thanks for listening to today's stories brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. The music for this podcast was written and performed by Andrew Roberts Mann. Everyone has a story to tell. <laughs>